Before I invite Seti up, I'm going to uh, read our passage for today. Um, I'm going to be reading from the Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter 19, just a few verses there. I'm going to ask everyone, if you are able to, to please stand for the reading of Scripture before Seti comes up and opens the word up for us. Now the words will be on the screen as well, um, but I'm reading from, from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, verse 1, and it says this. Uh, he entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he couldn't because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed, climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to that place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully, and when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for this opportunity this morning to look at your word. So close to Christmas, yet we continue to hear the message of your mission to the world, calling sinners, seeking out sinners, your desires to save sinners. And we thank you for the gospel of Jesus, the gospel of salvation that is able to save. So I ask and pray, Lord, the things that are helpful, help me to speak. And might you soften our hearts, quieten our minds, and uh, through the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit, enable us to understand your truth, but more importantly, to be so filled with joy as we go out and continue to share this great glorious and wonderful news. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning to you all. It's uh, good to be back. And for those of you who might not know me, I'm actually a former member of Anchor Southwest and in some ways relationally still connected, spiritually still connected. About six months ago, um, I went off to Redfern to work at the Anglican Church there as a community chaplain working under the senior minister. Uh, I'm married to Louisa. Louisa and I tried to get back to... tried to get back to Wednesday GC, so that way we're somehow connected. It's, it's been challenging, um, being involved in ministry in Redfern. Uh, we have six children. Uh, most of them are adults, one of them still in high school. The youngest is 15, the oldest is 23, and we fill up the Toyota Tarago, and that's how we get around Sydney, and it's good to be back. This is actually one of the most favourite passages that I enjoy speaking on, and I've spoken on this passage numerous times. I've preached on this passage to an Indian congregation, to a Chinese congregation, to a Tongan congregation. I've preached it in maximum security in prison. I've preached it at, you know, uh, drug addiction anonymous, you know, groups. 
Um, I preached it to my son yesterday. He was the guinea pig. I sat Winston down and I said to him, I know you're 15 years old. You've heard Dad speak about the gospel many times. But I need to run this one more last time before I go and speak at Southwest Sydney. My 21-year-old walked in the door and he knew exactly what was happening. He turned his back and went back out. Um, But here we go. God's mission for the world. God's mission for the world. Last week at uh, South Sydney Anglican in Redfern, uh, the encouragement for us as uh, members of that church was to go to Dank Street Coles um, in Waterloo. And we were to stand, you know, like at the doorstep and inform and let the locals know about the Toys and Tucker food drive that we would love for them to contribute to. I think something very similar happened yesterday here, right? And um, we were to say, hi, my name is Sidi. I'm from the local church. We're doing a Toys and Tucker drive. It's for the socially disadvantaged in the Redfern and Waterloo area. What we're looking to do is, you know, collect food to make hampers and then distribute it to the people living in Housing Commission and the homeless in these areas. Would you like to donate? Here's a list. Choose from the list one item, buy, and then bring back, put it in the trolley, and thank you very much for your generosity. Merry Christmas. That's actually one of the missions of the church. One of the missions of the church is to go out, tell people about Jesus, as well as reach out to locals and ask them to be generous in giving to those who are socially disadvantaged. That's the mission. I walked into a men's clothing store over in Broadway a couple of weeks ago. I better not move that way. Um, And as soon as I walked in, the young man greeted me uh, and he said to me, it's great to see you again. Are you here to buy another shirt? Of course I am. He asked me, what do I do? I said, I'm a preacher. I said, you're a preacher too. You're an evangelist. You happen to sell something. I'm not selling anything. I present the gospel. That's what we're all about, right? You are in the menswear industry. I am in ministry. And I have something better to offer you than just, you know, clothing attire. That's my mission. That's the Great Commission. As a Christian, that's what I've been called to do. Last night, you know, I was working at a bar and I often say, you know, my job is to babysit people who play poker machines and drink alcohol. And the man behind the bar said, Sidi, what are you preaching tomorrow? And I said to him, I'm preaching on Luke chapter 19. I'm so happy that you asked. Do you have time to hear? He said, yes, I do. There are no patrons in the venue. Great. So I preached to him Luke chapter 19. That's the mission. That's the great commission to tell people about the glorious news of Jesus. Jesus was on a mission. He was heading towards Jerusalem. In this passage in Luke chapter 19, he's with his boys and they've got to, you know, Jericho. And as it says in verse 1, he entered Jericho and was passing through. There, the goal wasn't to stay there. Jericho was this place that was about 30 kilometres outside of Jerusalem, I think. About five hours walk. Everyone was heading towards Jerusalem because it's nearing the time of Passover. Technology. Good. So. Jericho's outside of Jerusalem. It's about 30 kilometers. It's five hours walk. Jesus and his boys are about to enter. They're passing through as verse 1. And then notice in verse 2 what it says there. It says, 
And behold, behold, meaning something amazing, dramatic, huge is about to happen. And initially you start to think maybe it's Zacchaeus. And we soon find out, not long into the passage, that it's not about Zacchaeus. But it says, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. Zacchaeus, this chief tax collector, like a lot of tax collectors back then, he worked for the foreign oppressive empire, collecting taxes from the Jewish people on behalf of the Roman Empire. And the way that it worked was not only would he collect the taxes, but he would pocket some of the money and put it in his back pocket. That's how he became rich. He was rich because he was a cheat. He was cunning and conniving. He figured out a way and a system how to rip people off, and that's all he ever did. But he was a chief tax collector because he was also involved in identifying, recruiting, and training people in the dark arts of ripping people off. Chief tax collector. Very rich, wealthy, prominent. And it's on this day, unknown to Zacchaeus, God knows, of course, certainly Jesus, who is sovereign, before the creation of the heavens and the earth, before Zacchaeus was ever conceived or thought of in his mother's womb, Zacchaeus was there at Jericho. It wasn't chance, nor was it coincidence. It wasn't a fluke or luck. Jesus met Zacchaeus on that day. And this Zacchaeus guy, this guy who would have been a good candidate for ICAC because of corruption, in verse 3 it says, And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd he could not because he was small in stature. This dude was like Danny DeVito. He was very short. So short that it didn't matter whether he stood five or ten deep in the crowd, like a golf gallery, but he couldn't see Jesus. And there was a physical obstacle to this Zacchaeus being able to see Jesus. The gossip got around town along the grapevine. Jesus was coming. This hill, this um, miracle worker, this guy who did healings and did exorcisms and was a great teacher who spoke with much authority. And on this day, Zacchaeus was looking. He was seeking, wanting to see Jesus. I actually like this Zacchaeus guy. Because he was determined. He really wanted to see Jesus. At the Anglican Church in Redford, I can only share stories that I know. This young man travels all the way from Mittagong every Sunday, 20 years old, to come and hear the gospel. Now talk about commitment on a day where I feel it's a bit of a struggle to roll out of bed on a Sunday morning, go to church. All I need to know or remember is at least my brother Caleb who recently just became a Christian. And it all started because 12 months ago, on Christmas Day, he walked off the street in Redfern, came in, sat down and heard the Christmas story for the first time. And then ever since, has been turning up at church. He catches the train to Campbelltown. Sorry, he drives to Campbelltown and then he catches the train into Redfern. Because of that longing, that desire, that thirst and that hunger to want, to see Jesus. 
there are many things that, you know, like, you know, I have a strong desire for, passions in terms of hobbies, things that I enjoy. Sometimes I do wonder whether my longing to see Jesus, having a deep, meaningful, intimate and personal relationship with him far outweighs all those other things. I was just talking to one of the ladies in the back before the service and I was asked about horses and I said, I like horses. They actually do talk. When I got to see them, it's like my therapy session and it costs much less than a counsellor. I love horses. I love dogs. I was speaking to a young lady, you know, who was working behind the bar and she loves to travel the world. Very adventurous. And she said, what are, what, what are some of the dreams that you have? And I said, my dream one day would to be, and it would never happen because I'd never have enough money, would be to own a catamaran and sail the South Pacific just like my ancestors once did. Like you talk about catamarans, horses and dogs, I can talk to you all day long. And I hope that when it comes to Jesus, the same passion and the same fire and commitment and desire is there. But Zacchaeus on this day, this tax collector, chief tax collector, was wanting to see who Jesus was. But he was so short. And it says in verse 4, so he ran ahead, he climbs up a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. I've read that Jewish men back then normally don't run. They certainly don't climb trees. It's frowned upon. It's not the cultural norm. You just don't do that. Where my parents come from, you never see a grown man walking down the street without his shirt on. Like, in Australia, that's what you do, right? I've seen blokes, you know, mowing their lawn in their budgie smugglers. <laughs> and where my parents come from, you just don't do that. Okay? So these are the cultural norms. These are the things that you and I, you know, like, you know, we take for granted. We don't quite understand. But according to the Jews back then, no grown man climbs a tree. Unless you're a tree lopper. Zacchaeus didn't care. I mean, his, his, his reputation was shot anyway. Like, he didn't care about what other people thought. But such was his desire to see Jesus. He climbs this sycamore tree. And then verse 5, when Jesus came to that place, he looks up and he sees Zacchaeus. And when he sees him, he says, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down for I must stay at your house today. Jesus stops. He looks up. And you know what? Jesus, out of all the people who were present that day, was not surprised at all that Zacchaeus was in a tree. He knew. He knew Zacchaeus was going to be there and he was certainly not going to pass by. And he sees this opportunity, King of Kings, the great Messiah, called and appointed by God, sent into the world to seek and save sinners. He knew because he was on a rescue mission and he stops right there at that point and he says Zacchaeus' name and he tells him, that he will come over his house and stay there. That's crazy. No wonder why in verse 2 it says, Behold. Behold. Because this is, this is not normal. Okay? 
Jesus is not just wandering down the street, blase, and then somehow runs into this guy and calls him out of the tree. Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. And he calls him and he tells him, I'm hanging out with you. And so the response of Zacchaeus was amazing because what happened was in verse 6, it says, so he hurried, came down and received him joyfully. I'm told that last week you had baptisms, right? Three people got baptized. The place was full, yeah? It was full of joy. There may have been some tears. There was certainly a lot of worship and a lot of thanksgiving and praise in God's name. At the Anglican Church too, in Redfern a couple of weeks ago, we had eight baptisms, nine actually. Nine. And they're stories of miracles, testimony to God's grace. And you see and you hear and you sense the joy that they speak with in what God has done in their life. And let's not forget that. Those of us who've been walking long with Jesus, it's a temptation. Or perhaps at times we tend to forget the moment, the day, if we remember I certainly don't because it was progressively over time. But we remember what it's like to be filled with that joy. Zacchaeus didn't waste any time. He came straight down. He was so filled with joy because this Jesus guy whose reputation preceded him wherever he went stopped and said, I'm going to be with you at your house today. Now who do you think Zacchaeus hung out with? I'm sure they weren't the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the Essenes, or the religious establishment. No way. They were probably also tax collectors too. Shady figures. The local drug dealer. No joke, I'm not exaggerating. I invited him to come here today. I've seen that he didn't show up. But my message to him is this, that the gospel of Jesus is about the one who has come to seek and to save the lost. And in his mind is, I'm never good enough. I'll never make the cut. All I've ever done was sold drugs, done drugs, on the streets, ruined people's lives. God can't possibly forgive me. He can't give me another chance. But my prayer, my hope is that he will taste the same salvation that Zacchaeus came across that day. Because it's wonderful, isn't it, when you see joy oozing and overflowing from the lives of those who know what it's like to be saved. It's why I like hanging out with people who are new Christians. Okay? They're not afraid. They're courageous. They're bold. They want to share with people the greatest treasure that they've ever come across. Do you understand that sometimes, you know, as Christians in churches, we can become complacent and comfortable? Talk to special forces blokes or talk to guys who play, you know, like in a sports team at a professional level, all ladies, and nobody likes sitting on the bench. Everybody wants to be on the paddock. And so Christianity is not a spectator sport. It's one which we have been called to run onto the pitch. Because when you taste salvation and you're full of joy, you just want to tell anybody and everybody about Jesus my boss, I call him boss, at the church in Redford, and he said, Sadie, are you going to be okay going to Dankstree at Coles and hitting people up with, you know, this whole food drive that we're doing? I said, 
they could be worse, like being shot at. Honestly. I mean, at the age of 18, you know, like, you know, I had the bad experience of having somebody pull out a gun on me two times. Seriously, man. Like, what worse can happen to us in the West than to talk people about Jesus? Spending five years in a maximum security jail and talking to gangsters as well as hitmen and bikies about Jesus. Seriously, what can happen? What's worse than telling somebody about Jesus and being rejected? Because when you're full of God's joy, because you have come across the gospel, who gives a damn? Because you know what it's like to be saved. You know what it's like to go from being an enemy of God to a child of God. This Zacchaeus came down full of joy and said, yep, we're doing that. We're going over to my house. That's the paraphrase. Verse 7 says, and when they saw it, they all grumbled. People, they're on the sidelines, they're looking on, they're spectators, they're critical and judgmental. They mumble in some translations. Here it's grumble. And see, this is the thing about religious people. Religious people, watch on. Religious people are not joyful people. They're part of the establishment. They're critical they don't rejoice when God saves folks and draws them near to Jesus. They're always nitpicking and finding somehow how to pick on whatever went wrong. They were grumbling that day. And what did they say? He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. It's like, where have you guys been? These people are familiar with the Torah, the Old Testament. They would have heard the prophecies, the predictions, and the promises of the coming Messiah. And when he comes and does his thing, they're still grumbling. I'm sure, like, Pastor Nada wouldn't like to be a pastor of a church full of grumblers. Not that you are. I've heard good things about this congregation. Jesus-loving, mission-minded, Bible-centered, wanting to get out and tell others about Jesus. But this is what the religious people are like. They Grumble. They can't get their head around how is it possible for Jesus to hang out with Zacchaeus. In my early years as a prison chaplain, it was a regular habit, a practice, to sit together with four men. And I kid you not, it's not an exaggeration. One guy was pursued by the federal cops, got arrested for trying to import, you know, cocaine and I mean containers of it into the country. Another guy got tracked down by the FBI, and then he got locked up. Another guy by Interpol. And so, you know, it's not celebrities, it's the infamous that you're sitting there reading the Bible with. And these are men who are open to the gospel. Once the untouchables, now outcasts, doing time for stupid, foolish things that they got arrested for. But again, the Zacchaeus in our world and our society. But yet it's so easy to think that it's got to be someone who does something so stupid and silly like that to be a Zacchaeus. It's all of us. For we all fall short of the glory of God. And we all need a saviour. And sometimes what happens is in suburbia, when it comes to Sydney, when we're comfortable and successful, when we're stable financially, 
it's actually harder and a challenge to tell people that they need Jesus. But everybody does, whether you are from the firm or from Panania. It don't matter. Whether you are lower socioeconomical background or middle class, it don't matter. Everybody needs saving. And here we come to this point in the story where Zacchaeus experiences a radical transformation. For some, it takes years. For Zacchaeus, it was instant, just like St. Paul in the Bible. Because Zacchaeus stands up and he says, Lord, he acknowledges Jesus as Lord. He worships him as Lord. The promised Messiah. Behold, again, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor. The law of Leviticus in the Old Testament. He was going to do right now, no more wrong. And then he says, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will restore fourfold. Now, could you imagine if you had been cheated by Zacchaeus and then you get a door knock on your door and it's Zacchaeus and he says, I want to pay you back four times the amount that I ripped you off from. That's a work of miracle, is it not? But such was the power of the gospel when Zacchaeus came face to face with the Messiah that unlike the rich young ruler who walked away and he was sad, because where was his heart? His heart wasn't for the gospel. He was clinging and holding and grasping on to the things of the world. But Zacchaeus on this day, he was like, have it all. Because I've got Jesus. And that's what it's like when you become a follower of Jesus. Everything else becomes more clearer. Everything else is put into perspective because you have an internal outlook on life moving forward. That's how you navigate life moving forward as a new believer. And then, and then in verse 8, Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham. It's amazing. Amazing that this man, for a very long time, who was alienated and outcast, people didn't trust, were suspicious of, has now become an insider. The man who took from so many has become a giver. The guy that the establishment looked at and said, you are not a part of Abraham's family, now is a son of faith who's walking in the footsteps of the patriarch Abraham. We're not just talking about biological pedigree here. We're talking about a spiritual connection. That's what Jesus is saying. Today, salvation has come to his house since he has become a son of Abraham. Two camps in this world. Are you a son or daughter of Abraham? Are you the son or daughter of the living God? Or do you belong to the kingdom of the world? Is your faith in Jesus or is it in self or other things? Because Jesus finishes off, and this is where the punchline comes in verse 10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. That's what Christmas is about. 
Christmas is essentially about seeking out and saving the lost. In the part of Sydney that we live in, there are folks, I believe anyway, just from my interactions, where they need the gospel. And then there's another part of, you know, the same suburb where there are a lot of people from an orthodox background. And I stopped, you know, walking a dog one day in front of the house and said, where'd you get that big red cross? I want to know where you get that big red cross. I want a human-sized cross like that to put out the front so it generates some sort of conversation. Everybody likes hanging flags around here, fighting for some cause. I just want to brag about Jesus. The Jesus who come to seek and save the loss. And I'm sure every Sunday you hear the gospel over and over because we need to. Because essentially at the centre, the foundation of the church is the Son of Man who come to seek and save the lost. Friends, I don't know when's the next time I'll come back. It's been six months since the last time I was here in fellowship. And I have looked forward to this Sunday to join with you in worshipping, in singing praises to God. But even when I'm over at the fern at the other end of town, I give thanks and praise to God. Because I know this church is a church that is on the same mission as Jesus in wanting to make others know about the good, glorious and great gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray for you folks every day. And, you know, you can't be in two places at once. God can only do that. I've tried to figure out some way of how to, you know, still be connected somehow. But I want to wish you all a Merry Christmas. And just brag about Jesus. Do it. Because the world's bragging about something. We might as well brag about what's most important. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for sending your son, Jesus, into the world to seek out and to save lost sinners like us. And so, Lord, we come before you in humility and gratitude. And we thank you for the great work of salvation you've done in our lives. But we know that out there in Sydney, amongst our own families, in our neighbourhoods, in our workplaces, there are people yet to know what Zacchaeus came to know. And so we ask, give us wisdom, discernment, courage, and the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit to share with people in compassion, with love, the gospel of your Son, Christ Jesus. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for checking out this podcast from Anchor Church Southwest. We really hope you're blessed by it. For more teachings, resources or info, please check out our website, anchorchurch.com.au.